Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church, where you're going to church with the whole world. Well, the whole world really isn't participating, but anyhow, there's people all over the world that this is where they come to develop their heart, to to establish their faith, to make this journey in unconditional love and faith, righteousness, and the goodness of God. I just, I appreciate you so much for being here, man. I'm telling you, I'm thankful that not only are you here and you're, and you're making this journey with us, but I'm so thankful also that I just have the chance to, to, to try to bring something of value to your life. You know, today, we're going, to be, we're going to be talking about uh, some things today that kind of follows on what we talked about last week. And, and this is one of those things, it, it's one of those critical factors of faith, critical factors of life. And you know, you've heard me talk about critical factors before. Critical factors are such a unique phenomenon. You know, um, uh, I don't really do much consulting anymore, but I used to go into churches and businesses and do consulting and help them solve problems. And it would be really amazing uh, that a pastor or a business leader might look at their situation and think, man, I've got 20 major problems or 30 major problems that are happening. You know, this is going wrong here, this is going wrong here, this is going wrong. And, 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 and you know, they're just running around putting out fires. And sadly, that's what so many people do that are leaders and they're good people and they're passionate for what they're doing. But but they end up just putting out fires. Well, you know, if you're just putting out fires, and it may be that way in your family, you may be jumping from problem of this kid to problem of this kid to struggling with the budget and problems with your spouse. And you know, you know what I mean? And you're just running around trying to keep everything from blowing up. And you know, you're like, you, you remember the, the, the story of the little Dutch boy that put his his finger, you know, and, and uh, to, to keep the dike from breaking through and flooding his town. He saved the town just by stopping up the hole. Well, that, some people just spend their whole lives, I mean, I, just worn out because always, always, always trying to solve all these problems and keep the boat from sinking, keep the house from blowing up, what, you know, whatever, however you want to say it, or keep the sky from falling because that's what it feels like sometimes. But when I would go into these businesses, what I was really good at was identifying the critical factors. In other words, there may be 20 problems here, but you don't need to try to solve 20 problems. You need to find the core factors that are contributing to all of these problems. You know, usually... Um, you know, sometimes I'll go into, into a household and, and man, there's there's trouble with the kids, you know? And, uh, uh, and, and so you, you think, I gotta, I gotta deal with this kid, I gotta deal with this kid, I gotta deal with this kid. You know, I'm all, always doing this and me and my husband are fighting about, you know, the kids. And, and sometimes you'll find out that one of the parents uh, is an enabler. And that parent uh, just doesn't have the heart to be able to discipline or to be able to stick 
to it or follow through on the rules and that sort of thing. And so really you find out that you don't have 10 problems in that family. You have a one problem. And that one problem is that somebody is an enabler and you deal with that one problem and in doing so, all of these other problems pretty much resolve themselves because they stop being fed. Well, the same way in business. You know, I'd go into a business. I remember one time I went into this particular business and man, they, they were a big business. They were a very successful company in a large city. And so I went in and, and did a presentation to the whole team. And then I did individual evaluations of where everybody fit into the workplace, how people communicated, all those things that you do when you're doing consulting work. And, and so all of this chaos in this very successful business that was causing, it was causing people, good people to, to quit or, or they were talking about quitting. And so it really had, it, it could have damaged this business millions of dollars a year and they just could not find out what the problem was. Well, the problem turned out to be the owner's daughter. And the owner's daughter and, and her need to be seen as, you know, uh, as an independent, successful businesswoman, uh, the way she related, interacted to the people, and the way she tried to do end runs around her mother basically kept everybody in conflict and chaos all the time. So they didn't have, they didn't have 20 problems. They had one problem. That's what you call a critical factor. A factor that is critical to the success or the failure of a business, of a family, or of a life. And I'm going to tell you something. So many sincere believers spend their lives putting out fires, but never identifying what are the one or two critical factors that cause all these fires to keep going anyhow? What are the one or two critical factors that, that cause these problems to happen over and over and over again? So this is why, this is why I call this, uh, this message, What's Growing in Your Garden? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you as far as time allows us to go in this. But remember, you can always, you can always get this series if you want to go deeper into this stuff, if you see it's going to be valuable for you, or you can become a part of Impact Unlimited. Impact Unlimited, we are going to be launching not only uh, uh, the series that, that I'll be providing to support this, but we're going to be launching a one-week life transformation seminar on how to stop the pain. And we're going to be walking you through it get, and giving you life coaching to get through it. And I'm telling you something, uh, if you want to put an end to pain and conflict and suffering in your emotional life and your relational life, this is something you want to check out. So, so, so be sure and watch for information about this. Uh, best way to get that information is to, is to, when we start releasing it, is go to our website and um, you want to be a part of it. I'm telling you, this, just, this is going to be phenomenal because just stop and think. The multiple places that you're trying to apply God's Word, and maybe it's working a little bit. Maybe it works for a little while and it stops working. Maybe it, maybe it never works just like it should. And you're getting discouraged as a believer. You're getting discouraged with the Word of God. You're getting discouraged with God even. You're, you're, you're wondering why God is letting you down. But what if you were to discover that there was one universal law that you were unintentionally misusing. 
Now we talked about universal laws last week. Universal laws are laws that God wove into the fabric of creation. The, the universe, the physical universe, and, and, the, and all of the dynamics of physics, a, a quantum physics, you know, all types of physics, all of these work around universal laws. And the truth is, the universe, your physical body, which means your health, how healthy you are, how your body functions, your emotional life, and really your spiritual life, all work around some of these universal laws. Now, universal laws are laws, like we said last week, these are laws that work whether you believe them or not. You don't have to operate faith for universal law to work. They just work. And faith does not cancel a universal law. Faith, you know, universal laws are, are, are like this. Just, just stop and think. See, a lot of people will use this terminology. It's like, I just don't know how to get the Word of God to work. Uh, and, I, you know, sometimes I'll even use that terminology because I know if I use that terminology, people can relate to it. But you don't really need to get the Word of God to work. You only need to harmonize with how it works. Faith is when you believe something. It's not when you believe something, therefore it makes it work or makes God do it. Now, there are things you can do to increase your faith, to activate your faith, but none of that has anything to do with getting God's Word to work. Think about it like this. Imagine that you are standing on the banks of a river, and that river is flowing, and you know that, there, that, you know that there, 20 miles down this river, there's a city that you want to go to, and it's absolutely essential that you get there right away, and, and you're thinking, okay, I, I, could, I could walk to this town, but man, this is going to take me so long. It's treacherous. It's going to be a difficult journey. I'm going to be worn out and I'm not going to get there when I'm supposed to, but so my opportunity is going to be gone when I get there. And so you're standing on the side of that river and you're going, man, I'm just going to see if I can believe God to be in the river and just float down to that city. Well, you know, that's pretty stupid. Because the real truth is, put a boat out there, get in the boat, get in the river, bam. You're going you're, you're gonna to flow downstream, and it's going to be effortless, and you're going to get to that destination that you need to get there in a fraction of the time that it would take you to get there by your own strength. That's sort of how it is with the grace of God, the power of God. You know, that, that, that works. All we have to do is work with it, harmonize with it. All we got to do is get in the boat, get in, and you know, commit ourselves to it, and we're going to flow off of the power of God as it works according to the way God said it would work. But you can stand on the river and pray all day, and you're, you're really wasting your time because you don't have to pray for the river to flow. The river's flowing. You just got to get in the river and, and make this journey. So <clears throat> I'm going to be sharing with you one of the most important truths that I believe will inspire you to guard your heart in ways that you've never even considered. And it's going to show you how to take this spiritual law that we, or this universal law that we talked about last week called sowing and reaping and how to demystify it, uh, uh, not turn it into legalism, how to make it something that really works for your life. Now, the law of sowing and reaping 
actually operates around the law of the seed. Now, again, I want you to realize, sowing and reaping is the most predominant universal law that there is. The entire universe works off of polarities and there's always a constant giving and receiving. The physical body works off of giving and receiving. Uh, uh, the, the heart works off of giving and receiving. Our, in other words, this, this gets over into spiritual reality, but it's a universal law that works on the physical realm, the emotional realm, um, uh, the, the natural realm, and really it gets into the whole, what we would call a, a spiritual realm. And uh, so this means that if you can master this law of sowing and reaping, that the truth is, man, things can start working for you uh, as you just never imagined could happen in your life before. So, but sowing and reaping starts with the law of the seed. Now, I'm gonna, these are not all of the biblical laws of the seed, but you'll find that all of these laws, they, they bear out in, in physics, in the natural world. They bear out emotionally, they bear out physiologically, they bear out spiritually. So listen to this, the first law of the seed is this, every seed bears fruit after its own kind. Now fruit or the harvest is basically when there is a manifestation. In other words, when you plant a seed in the ground, what you want is a manifestation uh, where, where fruit goes and that fruit, you eat it, it brings value, joy to your life, nourishment to your life. So, so anytime the Bible talks about bearing fruit, it's really talking about God's truth coming to life, manifesting in you, in your life. And so, you know, in Genesis 1, 11, and really all through Genesis 1, you know, when God talks about the seed, He talks about how the seed bears after its own kind. The second law of the seed is this, the soil needs to be prepared. If you put a seed in soil that has not been properly uh, uh, prepared for it, that seed will die in that soil. Jeremiah 4, 3 says, For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground and do not sow among the thorns. Now this is incredibly important. You're going to find that the concept of thorns starts early in the book of Genesis and it goes all the way through the Bible and it always represents certain factors uh, of life. And, and if you don't understand that, then you're going to constantly hurt yourself. But here, here's the key. And the law of sowing and reaping and the law of preparing the soil is, is this. If you don't prepare the soil, then the thorns will always choke out the seed that you prepare in it. And see, the sad thing is when the seed begins to get choked out in most people, they're thinking, I got to get more faith. I got to get more faith. I got to get more faith. It doesn't matter how much faith you get. And, you know, again, our concepts of faith are so messed up. I'm, I'm sorry to say that they just are. But it doesn't matter how, how good the seed is that you plant. It doesn't matter how much you believe that seed is going to grow. If you plant that seed among thorns, the thorns are going to choke it out and it's never going to bear fruit in your life. It's never going to manifest, even though it was the truth and even though you believed it. The third law of the seed that I think we need to look at is that you never sow opposite or different seeds into the same row. Now, uh, 
in the Bible, when it talks about this, basically it says in Deuteronomy 22, 9, it says, you shall not sow your vineyard with divers or different kinds of seed. And it's talking about in the same furrow, lest the, lest they yield, excuse me, lest the yield of the seed which you have sown and the fruit of your vineyard be defiled. Now, <clears throat> if I am planting thorns in my garden and I'm planting seeds in my garden, that I am planting divers. I'm planting conflicting seeds in my Bible. I mean, in my garden. Now, there's other, there's other seeds I can plant. There's other, you know, you know there's, there's all kinds of things that, that, that we can plant in, in our garden. There's all kinds of things that we can do to mess up the soil. But right now, I'm focused on this thing about thorns. Don't plant good seed and plant thorns in your garden at the same time. Because no matter how true the word is, in other words, no matter how good the seed is, no matter how much you believe it, and in fact, no matter how healthy the soul is, remember, the soul always represents your heart. And you think, well, if, if, if the soul's good, then, then the seed should grow. You know, I have a small garden that I plant every year, and uh, one of the things that I know, you know, every, every, time I see, every time I see some weeds, I pull those weeds out. Now, those weeds, they consume the nourishment from the soil, which means that nourishment is not available for the seeds that I want to grow. So if, if, you don't, if you don't clean the grass and the weeds and the stuff up out of your garden, the nourishment that it needs to make that seed come forth. See, remember Jesus in his parables, you know, he said, he talked about how the seed can bear 30, 60, or 100 fold. And, and of course, you know, back in the grab it and stab it, name it and claim it, everybody's going to get rich, uh, corrupted prosperity message, which I'm not against prosperity, I'm just against that foolishness. You know, back in those days, every time you'd hear somebody talk about the 30, 60, 100 fold return, they always made it about money. It's never, it was never about money. It's about the Word of God bearing fruit in your life. But why, if the Word of God is the Word of God, why does it bear in some people's life 30-fold? Why in some people's life 60-fold? Why in some people's life 100-fold? Why should it work out better for him than it works out for me? Well, the reason for that is if your garden's full of weeds, full of thorns, then you got as much nourishment going to the thorns as you do to the seed, which means even though you believe the same Word that I believe, you're not going to have the same fruit that I'm going to have, or I'm not going to have the same fruit that you're going to have. So, so it, you know, we can't plant thorns in, in our garden with the seed and expect anything, anything actually of, of worthwhile benefit to happen. So, you know, this law of the seed, I hope you're beginning to see how this fits into um, the whole uh, uh, the, the whole sowing and reaping thing because you have to understand the seed to understand sowing and reaping because, you know, one directly affects the other. So, so actually, you want to realize something. One of, you know, one of the laws then that we have to look at is, is tending the soul. Now, the Bible tells us that with the measure we meet, it is measured to us again. So tending the soul, the measure you meet, that's, that's the, the amount of attention that you put toward this. This is, this is the degree to which you tend your garden. And, and Jesus taught that that's, that's how much, what you think about, how much you think about it, how much you, 
uh, give your attention to something determines how it grows. You, whatever you're giving your attention to is what you're nourishing and whatever you're nourishing is what is going to grow in your life. So many times you're nourishing because you're thinking about the thorns. You're thinking about what everybody has done wrong. You're thinking about what, how somebody has hurt you. And the, and the more you think about that, the more it's like planting thorns in your garden and nourishing the thorns and not the seed. So what I want to do real quickly, if we have time today, I want to just look at one dimension of the law of the seed and the parable of the sower. Now, remember, the parable of the sower is a parable about the kingdom of God. It's not just about the word of God in general, even though it includes that. And the kingdom of God is where you enter into that realm where you are intimately connected with God. You have peace. You feel safe. You feel protected. You feel provided for. And you know you have access to all of the resources of God. It's a tranquil state of mind that comes because you know that all of your needs are met in Him and that you have access to Him. And so this, this is all about getting into that quality of life. So in Mark chapter 4, uh, uh, and by the way, remember, Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, you cannot understand any of the parables about the kingdom, which means you'll struggle with what it really takes to live the life that Jesus wants you to live. So Mark 4, 7, he says, some of the seed fell among the thorns um, and the thorns grew up and it choked it out and yielded no crop. So seed and thorns, thorns chokes it out. And then in verse 18, it says, now these are the ones that are sown among the thorns. They're the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Now that word cares comes from the idea basically of distractions. Uh, 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 solicitude, giving too much attention or consideration to something, and particularly something that would make you anxious, that would make you feel troubled, uh, you know, that, that would make you upset. And so, so anytime you're thinking about focusing on these things that make you upset, anytime you're giving too much attention to the people that have hurt you, to the people that have offended you, it is no different than you walking outside in the garden that you've got to live on, the garden that you and your family have to eat out of for the rest of the year, and you're walking through that garden just dropping seeds for thorn bushes to grow up and choke out what you've got to have to live on and what you've got to have to nourish you. When you give attention to that which troubles you, when you give attention to that which disturbs you, when you just get distracted from the Word of God and putting your attention somewhere else, you are no longer tending the soil. You're no longer giving your attention and your nourishment to, to the Word of God, which means it's going to change the amount of fruit that's going to come back into your life. Now, of course, it, it talks about the deceitfulness of riches, and that's, that's just the, the delusion. And with riches, they're talking about more than money. It's just the, the deceit of trying to have this, this grand life that the world values. Now, the thorns and the thistles will not let God's Word, God's seed, grow in your heart. Now, the concept of thorns first entered the, the Bible whenever Adam brought the curse into the world. And, uh, uh, and, and God told him, God, God didn't make this happen. Adam made this happen because of the choice that he made. But God said, you know, you're going you're gonna to have to plant, and, um, you know, among the thorns and you're going to have to labor. And by the sweat of your brow, you're going you're gonna to get 
what you need for life. Well, see, that's what happens when we fill our garden with thorns. It's like going back under the curse of the law. It's like, it's like everything is choking out the life of God. It's not coming out the way that I want it to. But one of the places where I think you can best understand this was when the children of Israel were getting ready to go into the promised land, the kingdom realm. And, and so God warned them of why they should drive out all the inhabitants of Canaan uh, it's, he says this, he said, they, if you don't drive them out, they shall be snares and traps to you and scourges on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land, which the Lord your God has given you. You notice he didn't say, I'm going to take it away from you. He said, you're going to perish in this land. This land that I gave you, this land that was supposed to be wonderful. That's the believer who has, who has given their life to Jesus. They, they have accepted the sacrifice that he made. And this good land has been given, but is unfruitful. And they are dying for lack of spiritual nourishment in this land because they will not get rid of the thorns. Now, interestingly, the Canaan, all of the Canaanite nations that uh, they had to drive out actually re represent aspects of the flesh uh, that we allow to remain in our heart, in our beliefs, in our lifestyle that become thorns to us and choke out the seed. So what laws of the seed did this person violate in this part of the parable? And it rendered them incapable of receiving God's promises. Like I said, fruit is the manifestation of the promise of God in your life. So why, what did they do, obviously, that kept them from having fruit? Well, first of all, this person planted two seeds in the same fur. The cares of this life, the distractions of, of other things, getting too concerned about other people, getting too concerned about those who offended me. They ignored the law of sowing and reaping. In other words, even though they were putting their attention on all these other things, Somehow they thought that wasn't going to affect him. That's what we all think. Uh, I can think about negative things all day long, then I can go pray a little 15-second uh, prayer of faith, and it's going to fix everything. No, it's really not. They didn't prepare their heart to receive the Word. In other words, they did not prepare the soul by renewing their mind, by repenting of, of, their, of their unscriptural beliefs and ideas. So what do I learn from this parable? Listening to and thinking on those things that cause my attention and my concerns to shift to other things is nothing more than planting thorns in my garden that will choke God's word out, that will render God's solutions invalid. As God said, through your traditions, you make the word of God of no effect. You nullify grace when you put your attention on, on works. So, this means that when God's trying to bring you the, the deliverance, you can't hold on to it in your heart, even though you get it for a minute. It can never come to pass. The problem with thorns is, thorns, this is probably the number one issue that causes serious Christians to not see the manifestation of God's Word in their life. Now, you say, what's this got to do with, with how to stop the pain? unforgiveness that you hold in your heart is something that you place your attention on that negatively affects your emotions and constantly over and over and over, day after day, moment after moment, plants thorns 
in the soil of your heart. And, you know, the deceitful thing about thorns is it says it chokes it, it, chokes it out. In other words, it starts growing. Man, you, you start feeling like you're getting somewhere. You start feeling like that, that, man, your life is moving forward. And then you don't know why, but suddenly it just goes away. It just stops working. It's because it got choked out by the thorns that you planted in your garden. Next week, we're going to take the next step in this. And I shared this with you today, not to be negative, but get you serious about guarding your heart, paying attention to what you think about, paying attention to where your emotions are going, paying attention to who you listen to so you'll stop planting thorns in your heart. And you'll find that just you stop planting thorns, bam, the Word of God starts growing, and it's pretty much like getting in that boat and going down the river. Listen, I'll be back next week. I'll talk to you then. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.